Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super pumped that you're hanging out with us today in the program because I've got uh, a good friend on the show today that I've been wanting to get on for quite some time now. And it's just been one of those things that we've had uh, something come up every single time. But I got uh, my buddy Jim Schubert on today, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. He has a great podcast of his own, but he also runs a fantastic shop. Uh, you'll hear more, more and more about throughout this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But beforehand, I want to talk to you uh, about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages you need to quote your prospects. And they got some fantastic new integrations going on. Uh, they got some really cool stuff coming out. Uh, they're beta testing some really cool stuff. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, you should check them out. Use canopy.com and use the backslash Heath. Get a discount. Get your demo. Do the whole thing. Um, I have had every single week for quite some time now, someone reach out. Hey, I signed up with Canopy Connect. Changed my world. It's super uh, affordable. It's super helpful. It's one of those things you've got to check out for your agency. And I'd love to hear from you as well once you do. Uh, Heath at agency, no, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Also, my good friends over at CoverDesk, they do a phenomenal job uh, with uh, helping you to grow your team. Whether you're looking to just add one person or add you know several people, look for virtual assistants. Uh, they are trained in our space. Uh, they can help from everything from quoting. They can do prospecting. Uh, they can help you with uh, certificates, endorsements, vehicle changes, um, all kinds of cool things. We have agencies that hire them as CSRs. We have agencies that hire them as back office support, uh, as uh, prospectors, uh, you name it. Uh, virtual assistants can be the answer for your agency if you're looking to grow and add more staff. And uh, virtual assistants are the future, in my opinion, and uh, they're going to continue to be a, a force of nature in our industry. So uh, go to CoverDesk.com, uh, check it out, uh, tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be so proud that you did, and uh, your staff will thank you as well. Guys, on today's show, Jim Schubert and I get together. We, uh, we kind of squirrel off and left field a little bit. We talk about uh, sales. We talk about um, prospecting. We talk about hiring, training, uh, bringing on new staff. We, we talk about all kinds of fun stuff in this conversation. Um, and it may even be a two-parter. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but um, check this conversation out. Sit back, relax, enjoy my conversation with Jim Schubert. Jim Schubert. What's up, brother? What's going on, my man? I can't believe I we're finally it. together. We're here. We, we are here. It is. This has been audience it's listen you don't care but we do it's been like a year we've been trying to record this thing um i was on your show what a year and a half ago feels like it yeah uh, yeah sh- it, it was pretty early on it, it's i been was on- still with a spaceship at that point in time and so yeah that was-, was funny man yeah you were in your son's room <laughs> yeah that was during COVID, i believe it was like yeah i couldn't leave the house we were on lockdown so it's been a hot minute and then every time i try to get jim so busy he never has time for me but i'm glad i got you now yes we're together dude we're, like, like, the, we're-, we're like the postal service you and me like <laughs> we will get there one way or another maybe maybe the old postal service maybe not the postal service today they struggle but the old right. postal service here's, they would get here's there. what i love though here's what i love jim first of all i love you like the, the fact that like we, we we have met in person on a handful of no twice at least but 
Yeah. I feel like brothers. Like, I feel like I know you. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like even though we don't, I don't know. It's crazy to me. And like, I follow you on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on everything I can, whatever social I can. I'm like, yes, a thousand percent. <laughs> yes. Whatever you're saying, I'm into. I like it. Well, well, I, I have to say, um, you, you know, you had me like, I knew you obviously through online world first, like a lot of us end up knowing yeah. each other first. But then when we met at Jason Cass's event um, last yeah. spring, you had me at the bear hug, dude. dude. You, like you almost crushed me. And I, and I was so grateful. And I was so happy to see you. And again, I never <laughs> like, I was like, Oh my God, this guy. Um, <laughs> and I felt like this big giant and I just went ahead and just crushed your, your spine, but I wanted it was to fine. I got you. to skip the chiropractor that week. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I love it. I appreciate it. Um, I, but, I got a question for you real quick, man. Okay. I, I know this is your show and all, but um, go ahead. Flip it. I, I know the audience just listened to, you know, the intro and everything. Is that you playing the harmonica in that intro song? I wish. <laughs> I wish, bro. I was just curious. No, it's a it's, great It's such a sexy bro. harmonica. I love it. It is. It's really cool. So <laughs> it's funny. You said when I was first starting the show, everybody has these, like, or at least at the time, they had these like hip hop beats and these really yeah. cool beats. And I was like, I'm not cool. I don't have a hip hop beat. I don't need that. <laughs> and I was like, what, what's me? And you know what? And so I love bluegrass. I love, you know, jazz. I like, you know, rock, whatever it might be. I and mean, of course I like a little Snoop Dogg from time to time, but I wanted something that was more and something that felt like a town. And so that to yeah. me feels like you're going into town anyway. So yeah, you, your intro song makes me want to pe put a beer in my cup holder. Yeah, me, me, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. It, it works. Love it. And uh, <laughs> I've had like my my wife's like, "What are you gonna change your theme song?" I was like, "Why?" You <laughs> no, know, don't change it. Friends had the Rembrandts. I'll be there for you for what twenty years, ten years. Like they don't change. You don't change your theme song. No, no. Now, what I really want to do is reach out to the actual artists to that song. I want to have them on the show. Be like, you know, you've been my theme song. For oh, three cool. years, and you didn't know yeah. it, but they're yeah. probably a bunch of drunk hippies that don't even know. <laughs> but I, I listen to all my podcasts on speed and a half, just so I can get through things faster, and yeah. I can listen fairly quickly. So it's a lot of fun when I listen to your intro because it's like, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba yeah, <laughs> so it goes really, really fast. It probably right. doesn't go that fast for everybody else. Right, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so, all right, for those who are like, who's this guy he's jabbering on and on about? Uh, <laughs> Jim, uh, I want you to go down memory lane. You know, Jim has his own show that I think is really good, Agents Growth Academy. He's got, you know, he took over his dad's agency several years back. I'd love to hear more about that. I want you to tell your story. Um, so I'll let you go. Jim Schubert, as far back as you want, lead me up to now. Let's walk down memory lane together. Oh, man, don't tempt me because every time I try to tell a story, my wife's like, you don't have to start off with, I was born in 1977. Um <clears throat> I think where it's relevant for the audience is I was a high school English teacher in Boston. I grew up here in Atlanta and I made my way up to school in Boston after a short stint in Tennessee at UT in Knoxville. And I just had these visions of students standing on top of their desk chanting, oh, captain, my captain. You know, I was an English teacher and that was just like to be Robin Williams would have been my, my dream, my goal. And what happened instead was that, you know, I would get these kids in inner city Boston looking at me going, oh, Mr. Schubert, I didn't do my homework. I'm like, oh, man, again. Okay, here we go. Right. 
it was that or it was like when I was teaching at the um, the super exclusive private school um, just off of Newbury Street, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, one of the moms came in one day and was like ranting and yelling at me. Now here I'm in my early 20s, like, I can't believe you gave my daughter an F, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, and I didn't know any better. And I just like, without even thinking said, ma'am, your daughter earned that F. And um, it didn't really go that well after that. So <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I love yeah, it. So I decided to to pivot and and I did a fifth year master's program. Um, so I like insanely um, looking back on it now, I don't know why I was so insane. I took master's courses in my senior year at night yeah. and then I finished up my master's degree the next year for higher education administration. So both from Boston College and um, the night before my graduation, from the master's program, I went to my parents' hotel in downtown Boston, and I had a job offer lined up to, to run the student center at Dartmouth, which would have been really like yeah. super cool, right? For anybody to hang out with the students and create programming and fun, you know, things yeah. for the students to do. But, um, you know, love has a way of uh, <laughs> pulling, at, pulling at you in different directions. Yeah. And, my now wife and I were dating then and she and I just, she was from New England and, and we weren't really sure if we both wanted to spend the rest of our lives in the middle of nowhere in the dead of winter in New Hampshire. So my dad said, you don't really seem that excited. And I said, well, you know, I explained kind of where my heart was and he said, well, why don't you come work with me in the insurance agency? Now, remember I'm from Atlanta, the deep South, right? In the span of like a millisecond, I forgot all of my social graces and, and you know, being a, a true Southern gentleman. And I said, oh, hell no. <laughs> and he was like, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, no, it's okay, tell me what's going on. So um, I was like, dad, I don't wanna, I, like I saw how hard it was for you to, to start the agency. You were stressed, uh, you, you worked late, you know, I don't wanna have a quote unquote desk job. And he went on in the next half an hour to explain how, much more of a people oriented business this was. And he said, you know, I think that's why you got into education in the first place. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I said, no, you're right. I, I truly had a desire to, you know, lead people, albeit littler people. But he said, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, why don't you, why don't you give it a shot for a year? And if it doesn't work out, no hard feelings. So uh, that was 21 years ago. And here I am, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, if I do the math correctly, then you were what, 26, 27 at that time? Um, no, I was in my early 20, probably like 23, 24 okay. at most. Yeah, I'm Got 45 it. now. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought you were 45, 46, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So before I get real serious, um, <laughs> I got to ask you the most annoying question that you get because I get the same thing. All right. How many times in your lifetime have you said, have you heard, you look just like Fred Savage? <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I was young and the Wonder Years was still on, yeah. I looked identical to him and people often said that to me. So, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Bro, I mean, can, we, can we use a young? If, if for, for folks who are watching this, can we use a younger picture? Maybe one where he doesn't look so okay. psychotic. I, no, he, okay. <laughs> um, so, I, I, Wonder Years. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. The Wonder Years days. 
Dude, I, I love Fred Savage. Uh, oh, that's phenomenal. So yeah, there, there's a there's a real young one there. But. Yeah, that's the the one on the left is exactly what I look like when I was his age. Yeah, bro. Okay. Yeah. So that being said, <laughs> oh man. So you might be you know watching this thinking you're watching Joey Fatone interview with. Oh, Fred dude, Savage. I was like, what? This guy looks like you though. <laughs> right. So some people might be thinking if they're watching this, oh, we got. Joey Fatone interviewing Fred Savage over here. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, oh my I, gosh. I get that one all the time. You look just like Joey Fatone. And so I was wondering you if you do, get man. Fred Savage. Oh, man. That's so, hilarious. Anyway. All right. Do, do we have to get serious now or can we keep being fun? No, we can do whatever. That's fine. Oh, thank you. So, okay. Back to your. So, one of the things I connect with you on your journey on is second generation. Uh, I'm second generation as well. And I had the same exact reaction out of high school and going into college <laughs> that you did. Not no, but hell no. And um, I think actually mine was more heck no, because I went on to be a minister for seven years. But well, yeah, yeah, might. it was one of those things. But I was like, no way I'm ever doing this. There's no, there's no way. So and dad, similar to your dad, my dad had a great organization, you know, lots of producers and had, you know, CSRs. I was like, yeah, but I was like, you. Know, I've watched you build this. How hard it was. It's not something you do. <laughs> just and I was like, I and I like you thought. I don't want a desk job. I don't want this. And then you know, what's funny is, um, I thought all this in my head, and the <laughs> very first day, I actually had my dad on the show a few weeks ago. So he told. Oh, this that's story. awesome. And so dad told the story on the show. And I was like, dang it, dad. But the first day I walked in, I was like, where's my desk? And dad was like, get out of here. You don't have a desk. If you're in the office, you're not making me money. You get out yourself. And from that point forward, I was like, okay, this is the job for me. You know, I yeah. didn't want to be behind a desk. I wanted to be out and I wanted to be out selling and I wanted to be out doing the thing. So yeah. back to you in Southern States, which to me, again, I thought it was a carrier, when you, especially when <laughs> not you, the only one, right. When you came to me with the show of like, Hey, I want you to be on my podcast. Yeah. I looked it up even before I was like, oh, this is a small regional carrier out of Atlanta that has their own <laughs> growth academy. And I was like, cool. Um, but so anyway, when you came in uh, yeah. 20 years ago or 20 yeah. plus, yeah. was the agency the size it is now? Uh, no. We what were, were you walking probably... into? What were you walking into? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was still a good size. I was walking into about 25 people at that point. Um, we're close to 50 now. Um, so do you, you walk know, in as a grunt or do you walk in as a title? Oh no, man. I guy? listen, yeah. I am so, so grateful to my dad for starting me out. Um, just like everyone else. I, he sent me to, uh, Hartford's personal line school and I love you guys, Hartford, but, um, that city, at least back then, whew, boy, man, oh, I was glad God. it was snowing most of the time. Cause we, <laughs> still <didn't>, but, um, <laughs> no, I, I, um, I can say that because I went to school in Boston, so I get to like razzum, right? But no, I I started out in personal lines and just kind of learning my way. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I moved on to uh, commercial lines marketing because uh, we were big enough. We had you know a marketing department to help send submissions yeah. to the carriers for the producers. So I did a little bit of that, cut my teeth, got to understand how commercial side worked. And then I got into commercial sales and I actually loved it. I mean, I genuinely loved hitting the street and like I, the adrenaline rush that came with like literally just parking my car in, you know, a, a business park and just walking around and, and trying to knock on doors and get my foot in. And I think that's actually 
you know, I, I mentioned to you off air, I, I'm, people who know me know that I've said it a little bit, but I am writing a book right now on the you know, how to leverage the power of storytelling in order to influence people, yeah. both in your personal life and in business. And I think if I look back on it now, when I was walking around those business parks, um, the first thing that was on my mind was just how do I, you know, how do I endear myself really quickly to someone? Right. There's a there's a book that a friend of mine wrote called Save Your Asks. Uh, it's a great oh, play nice. on words. Guy yeah, named Chris great. Tuff. Yeah. Save Your Asks. And it's all about basically like, you know, hey, don't go on LinkedIn and be one of those guys who's like, hey, I can help you out do all this stuff as soon as, as, soon as you accept uh, a connection request from them. You know, I have to say, and probably people may hate me or love me for this, if, if, I I make it a habit of not refusing pretty much any connection that somebody sends me. And the reason why, and some people may have a different opinion on this, but the reason why I choose not to treat LinkedIn like an exclusive country club. I would much rather make connections with as many people as I can because I've seen it happen over the years, over and over with our own producers. They may start out with a really small account, that grows and they quote unquote ride that thing until yeah. it's an enormous account, right? So who right. am I to say, you know, who who you are at the outset? But if you send me a message that immediately asks me for something, you can guarantee I am not going to respond to it. <laughs> yeah. So what gets me, I, I'm all for LinkedIn. And I'm a big LinkedIn guy, but now the rest of yeah. the time, yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's an interesting way, you know, to, to get into that for a second. So like when you're talking to a producer at your agency yeah, and they want to use LinkedIn, I mean, would you tell them the same thing? Don't ask as soon as you friend somebody, or do you tell them don't slide into their DMs? What do you tell them on their LinkedIn strategy? Yeah. So if a producer asked me about that, my answer is going to be, uh, the same every single time. What can you give them before you ask them for anything in return? Because you have to give first. The name of the game is giving. Actually, I'm, I'm not here to promote my stuff, but like if anybody's interested, agentsgrowthacademy.com forward slash, um, hmm, what, what link of the years? People like, people like you, people like Chris Pirodiso and, 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 yeah. and David Carruthers and, and, you know, Kim Beach and I mean I I could sit here and list off like every single person who's been on my podcast right right um but but they've given without expecting anything in return right and I'm eternally you have to find something that allows you to give to someone first so like Mitch Gibson does a great job of this with his Love podcast it. right yeah. he's got a, like a hyper local podcast um where yeah. where he's teaching people you know how to better run their businesses, but also like just highlighting local community businesses. Yeah. He's giving first and he's not asking anything from them. Who, who do you think they're going to want to do business with the next time they think about insurance, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's simple. So, but I think a lot of people just, they, they get antsy. They want to go for the sale. They want to go for the juggler. You've got yeah, to. You're exactly to right. And that's one of the things when I came on, you know, I started doing consulting work with Kelly and started doing things like that. And even back in my sales days, it was always yeah. to, to give first. It was always to, and I was called, God, I told you, we'd start this show. We'd go off on squirreling. Oh, we'd go off on a, yeah. Well, I was telling but, you how, you know, like yeah. I, I'd walk around to those business parks and, and, and trying to find ways to. Oh, uh, you said it. I love it. Say it again. 
Business what? <laughs> I love it. Parks. Did I Pox. say parks? <laughs> you went to the, the business packs. Uh, I just I spent, went to the business pack. <laughs> I went to I would spend an entire week in New York. I just got back late last night. So oh man. Uh my God wife is you. you gotta stop saying the F bomb every four seconds. Yeah, because I, know, right? I was in New York literally for five days and it was just yeah. sort like of rubs Andrew off the, on you. Yo, we're in a mid-roll ad. Sorry to stop this wonderful uh interview today in this conversation. However, uh, sorry, not sorry, because I got to talk to you about my really good friends over at Smart Choice. They are the fastest growing agency network for a reason. No lengthy contracts, no upfront fees. They do bonus and contingency sharing. If you listened to the episode last week, you heard all kinds of fun stuff, what they're doing in commercial. Um, they are just a force. Uh, so I am super uh, excited um, for that episode. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, and you'll hear so much from Oliver and from David. Um, and if you know smart choice, if you want to learn more about smart choice, go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Whether you're looking for one market or a hundred, if you're just looking for a team to be a part of, to help you grow your agency, smartchoiceagents.com. Go check it out. Now let's get back to the show. So you in yeah, the business pack in the business box, but you know, and I, I totally digressed. I forgot. I was talking about uh, Chris Tuff's book and save your asks. The whole reason I was bringing that up is because he talks about a concept in there, which is just, it makes so much sense. It's called the race to the middle. What do we do every time we meet someone new, right? We're trying to find that common ground, like as fast as we can, you know, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What year did you graduate? Like we're trying to find that common ground. So just like anybody who's ever done sales, you're trying to figure out as fast as you can yeah. how to just make a connection somehow. And you know, for those who maybe aren't walking around to business parks necessarily, but have an opportunity to just at least get on a phone or get in front of someone for even just 15 minutes and someone says, yes, I'll give you 15 minutes of my time. Um, this goes to what I'm writing my book about it. And it's leveraging the power of storytelling because if you think about it storytelling has been around for thousands of years right we're doing it on cave walls like before we could even talk and today's storytelling it, it does a couple things number one it cuts through the noise you think about how much you and i and everyone are bombarded by yeah. different forms of communication and messages and people asking for things and people trying to you know jump in our inbox jump in our dms all this stuff but the things that differentiate you from everyone else are the stories you can tell. And guess what, Heath? You have stories that I don't have. And have. and Paradiso has stories, right? We've all got different stories, whether it's a personal story, which by the way, those are important for those first few minutes when you're trying to make a connection with someone because it storytelling does three things really well, okay? It it captivates people, right? It it holds them. Think about any good movie you've ever gone to. You're on the edge of your seat, like I am Luke Skywalker. I right. I'm 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 about to blow up the Death Star. Like it's captivating. Um, it it also builds trust, you know, because you can you can share something about yourself, or if it's a client story, what I like to call a value story, where it's like showing the value of what yeah. you and or your organization can provide through an example or a story. Um, and, and so those are those are key elements and, and it humanizes. So I, I'm I'm just big on I'm big on storytelling. No, I, I, I am too. I'm a big I'm a big storytelling guy. But I, just to 
push back on a little bit because I do have a pet peeve. Yeah, sure. It has to do with storytelling. And it has to do with the sales process. Yeah. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, we might fight a little bit, but that's okay. I get <laughs> mad and I get, and I talk about this when I'm consulting with agents every day. Yeah. When you're talking to a, a their potential client, a client, a prospect, whatever. And they're telling you their story. And immediately before you even finish listening to their story, you're trying to relate it by telling your story that sounds similar to theirs. And it's yeah. like, shut up and listen to their story. It's not about you. You know, someone's like, oh, you know, a typical, I, I listen to a lot of recorded calls. And it's like, yeah. Um, hey, Jim, how's your day today? Man, and it's, it's cold here. I, I'm, I'm having a good day, but it's just cold. Oh, man, you should feel it here. It's like 32 here. And I'm, and I'm like, Shut up and let them listen. Let them tell their yeah. story. Listen, or, you know, I, I had a really bad experience with this agency here because of what, oh, well, I had this. Let them tell you what the experience was. Let them at least do that. But so many times we're quick to want to tell our story. Yeah. We're not even listening to theirs. And at the yeah. end of the story, it's like, did you even listen to what I said? You were so quick. And my wife used to tell me that all the time when we first got married. It was like, before I can even finish what I'm saying, you're wanting to talk. Do you just like to hear yourself talk? Yes, I do. But you know, does that make sense? Uh, it makes you cover that sense. in the Listen, book. I I work with one of my best friends in the world, uh, John Hall. We've known each other since we we're three years old. Uh, I love him to death. One of his biggest challenges uh, for me and him is exactly what you just described: is he'll want to kind of talk over you, right? Um, loving him to death. And I would say to, to kind of answer what you're saying is here's some suggestions for agents who are listening to this. If, if you have a client starting out sharing a story, um, think about a couple things. Number one, people love to hear themselves talk, right? Yeah. They're, they're asking you by telling the story indirectly. They're asking you to come into their world because they're being vulnerable. They're, they're sharing something, whether it's really vulnerable or not. Maybe, maybe one of the best things you could do when they get to kind of a, a pause or a stopping point, instead of trying to, like you said, you know, one up them, right? You know, it's colder here or whatever. What if you said, man, how did that make you feel? Or wow, you, you, that must have really been a big challenge for you. What, what was that like? Right? Because what are you doing? You're becoming even more interested. You, Heath, you don't even have to tell them a story. You, you, like I'm teaching in my book, I'm teaching folks how to like fill their quivers with arrows, right? With different stories you can use. But what if you didn't even have to use any of those stories because you just played off of theirs, like you said, and, and asked them to bring you deeper into their world because maybe you're actually interested in what they're saying. What a novel concept, even, right? Even if you're not, pretend to be, or yeah. let them <laughs> tell you their story, you know, it's all yeah. about building that rapport. It's all yeah. about listening to their, because again, I've got a story. You've got a story. Sally has a story. We all have our stories. Yeah. And imagine a world where you would just listen to those stories. And they'll yeah. tell you everything you want to know if you just shut up and listen. Yeah. And, you know, in a sales course that I teach, imagine, and again, this kind of goes into storytelling a little bit, but yeah. imagine a, a, a sales process to where typically, if I'm on with Jim and I'm CSR and you bought a, you just called me, Hey, I got a brand new home yeah. and you're really excited about it. And typically it sounds more like, okay, Jim, what's the square footage? What's the age of the roof? <laughs> what's the, the updates on the electrical or the roof or whatever it might be. Imagine yeah. if it was more like, congrats, Jim. That's amazing. Tell me about your new home. And you're going to be like, <laughs> Oh, he, it's a yeah. three bedroom, two bath, 
you know, it's a brand new roof. The realtor told me I need to replace the floors because they're in pristine condition and all this. And I'm just listening, taking yeah. some notes. And at the yeah. end of the conversation, they went through an entire sales process without even knowing because they're telling you. It's just a flip of listening to them instead of controlling with talking too much. Absolutely. And one thing you said there I picked up on was the word conversation. Because what you described before of like the checklist of what year was the roof, that's an interview. That's not a conversation, right? You're pulling information from them versus actually being interested in them. And and to take what you said a step further, like, yeah, you could pretend to be interested. What if you actually were interested, right? Wouldn't that make your job so much more fulfilling that you actually get a kick out of getting to know people yeah. and genuinely understanding the problems that they're facing and, you know, trying to figure out potential solutions for them? Um, Cause I don't know, maybe that's crazy to say, but if you're not excited about that, maybe you're in the wrong industry. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I have to practice this on my nine-year-old all the time. Yeah. You know, cause they'll come home or she'll come home from school. I love my nine-year-old. Don't get me wrong. But if you ever have any kids, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids come, they tell you what's going on at the playground or what's at lunch. And halfway through, I'm thinking about what I'm cooking for dinner or what's going on. I'm like, crap, I got I to I gotta get back in here because it's like inane babble. But to them, and that nine-year-old brain, that's the biggest thing ever. Little Susie had this happen on the playground, and she's telling yeah. me all about it. That's huge in her world. So I've had to practice that over the years. I mean, I got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a nine-year-old. So I've had to practice that. And so that way I have to be engaged instead of this stupid nine-year-old drama I don't care about. Now it's more like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. How is Sally? Well, she's going to be okay, but little Timmy hurt her feelings about, and it's like, <laughs> like you said, how does that make you feel? What do you think? What did you learn yeah. from that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or, well, that little Timmy needs to have his butt kicked or whatever. It's just little yeah. things, whatever it might be. But it's like, you can practice on your kids because half the yeah. time they're telling you stuff that in your world doesn't matter, but to them, it's huge. Yes. And, and I can totally relate to that. Um, yeah, I've got a, one who's almost about to be 11 and I think your nine-year-old and my almost 11-year-old should get together because yeah. boy, can she talk and <laughs> talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh my God, sometimes they'll be telling me, I don't even want to go off on that, but anyhow. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's go back a minute. Okay. So yeah, yeah again, squirrels. So <laughs> I want to know, okay. And every agent is listening wants to rewind back to this and I want, Heath, you missed an opportunity. So I'm going to take it now. So let's rewind back to when you finished your story. Okay. So when you started at the agency at Southern yeah. States, not insurance company agency, it was 20 or 30 people or so. Now you're looking at 50 or 45, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yep. Pretty good jump there. What Was yeah. there an intentionality there? What did you do? How did Jim Schubert and the team there, how did you, what, what happened? What did you do there? Well, that's it's a, a great jump. question. It's funny because- in my mind, sometimes, you know, you always think like, oh, I could do better. In my mind, I think people think are sitting here listening to this going, really? 20 years and you only grew like by 20 people? Well, um, you know, first of all, I love the size we are. I don't know that I want to be gigantic, right? It, it's 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 still very much a, a family feel. Uh, people still say that about the agency. And we've got people who like last, a couple of years ago, somebody, uh, an account manager at the time lost her husband to cancer. And before I even had an opportunity to like reach out to her, I had people flooding my inbox asking me if they could donate their PTO to her so that she could have time to grieve. I was like, wow, man. I love the size agency we have. Like that's, that's a great yeah. family feel. 
I'm going to pause you for two seconds because there's a lot of agents on the flip side of that that are listening to this that have been at five people for the last 30 years. So I I, I think you can't sell yourself short there because, but I digress. Go back. Go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. But to answer your question, um, you know, so for the first half of our agency's life, we just celebrated 30 years, uh, by the way, we were founded in 92. Congrats. Uh, for the first half of the of our agency's life, my father did a great job of growing by acquisition. He was taught. Uh, he, he started out at Caroon and Black, which was a big broker in the '80s, and then they got bought by Willis. And they taught him how to do acquisitions. Um, so we we did a lot of that, buying up little small agencies. But then the last probably 10 to 15 years has been a lot more organic growth and really focusing on just good talent, good people, not necessarily entire agencies to bring on. So we focused a lot more on the organic growth and it's, it's allowed us to grow at a good pace for us. We've made a couple of acquisitions in, in that time, but nothing huge and, and I'm enjoying it. And, and at this point we're, we've kind of, you know, built up a little bit of a war chest and we're ready to add more salespeople to the team, more, more, more of all kinds of people, but especially salespeople and, I would love to bring on another acquisition if it makes sense, if we can find somebody who fits our company culture and our, our core values, which are deeply important to us. So I'm just, I'm having a blast right now. I'm having far more fun than I deserve. So I, I, again, I talk to agencies my entire career. I've been in front of agencies and I've heard the story for not over 20 years now. We're the same age. We've been in the business the same amount of time. Yeah. Then top three issues I hear about in the country, no matter what, if it's 2001 or 2022, it's always hiring, you know, totally. it's always recruiting. It's always <laughs> training. It, it's been a forever issue. I, I was just in an, uh, an agency yesterday and they were telling me that, you know, we've got to get rid of so-and-so, but we can't because we have nobody else to replace her with. And there's a lot of agents right now listening that are like, yes, yes, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. How do we flip? And I'm trying to flip that mindset because you're keeping talent that's bad because you perceive there's nobody good out there. What do you do? What do you say that? Do you have anything? Do you have a help me out here? Help sure. them help me help you help them. What? <laughs> I'll do my best. So have you read the book Traction? Oh, yeah. I've got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, didn't you tell me or, or uh, Kelly told me that you guys are implementing EOS? We have been since, yeah, forever. Yes. That, as, as my friend Tommy Breedlove would say, that's a hell yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. So We love it. So the short story is EOS. Or if, if, if forever recruiting. Yeah. So the, uh, the book called Traction by Gino Wickman, uh, EOS is what he calls the entrepreneur operating system. Essentially, just like your computer has an operating system, so should your business, right? Yep. So there's a lot of things, and I won't go into it now, about thing, things to implement in your agency, your business that can drastically help you kind of get prepared for big growth, right? So for us, one of the things that came out of that that we realized was crucial was an exercise where we literally rate everyone on our agency's core values. We have five core values, okay? Uh, They include things like passionate advocate for others, grow or die, get stuff done, um, you know, things like that. I'll go through all of them. But so it's, we grade people plus, plus, minus, or minus based on every quarter. Just so you have, you know, regular reviews. We do this usually on a quarterly basis for every single employee I get graded myself, right? 
Plus means you're exhibiting the core value most of the time. Plus minus means sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Minus means you're antithetical to it. So uh, for instance, one of our core values is great attitude. So if you have a minus on great attitude, um, your butt's about to be thrown out because like we don't tolerate that, right? Like you're, you're probably coming in the office cursing and kicking, screaming, and talking about people behind their back. Right. We don't need that. So once we've identified who is quote unquote above the bar versus below the bar, then it's the matter of saying, okay, well, we can either do something about it now or we can file that away and know that they are not going to be on the bus long term if they're below the bar, right? Right. We actually had something like this happen over the summer where we had one person retire and then four other people in the span of two weeks uh, decided that they were going to go ahead and exit the bus themselves. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting to what, so what is, you, what is your recruiting strategy? What, what are some magic bullets you can give us here in a few minutes? Okay, so one thing I would say is if you don't already have your core values set, it should be, it needs to be an integral part of your hiring process. And you might think that that's, you know, uh, soft, you know, not practical. I'm telling no. you, yeah, you need perfect. to develop them. Okay. I have to, I have um, to. Super quick way you can do that. Get your team, you know, whoever your leadership team is, or if it's just you, whatever, in front of a whiteboard, list the people in your organization. If you could clone them, list the names, right? If you, you would dominate your industry, if you would, cl if you could clone them, then list out all the attributes that you appreciate about them, things that they bring to the table. And then over the course of, you know, 30, 45 minutes, whittle that down to like three to five core values. The cool thing about that exercise is that you're not just choosing from a menu and being like, oh, I like this one and I like that one. <laughs> you're actually uncovering yeah. values that are already inherent in the people that you have, Right. which is, as we say in Boston, wicked awesome because- Wicked awesome. Yeah. Wicked awesome because you've got people who are exhibiting the things that are going to help you grow. From there, Heath, I would say you need to make it a part of your interview process and um, you need to put some things in your interview process. And the way I say, how do you make it part of your interview process? Literally, we have a section where we ask people, hey, here's our core values. Okay. Imagine yourself a year from now having been in our organization for a year and we're about to give you your fourth quarterly review or whatever the math works out on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What are you, what's your manager going to grade you plus, plus, minus, or minus on each of our core values and why? And then usually people end up saying like they give themselves all pluses, but the, the key there is you, you want them to say, give me examples. What would you have done in our organization that would have good. exhibited that core value? That's like good. actually tell me, right? What would people say about you? And then if they do give themselves all pluses, Here's the next question you ask. Um, okay, you have to give, you're, you're going to get a plus minus on something. Nobody's perfect. What's it going to be? That one question alone. You're, you're pushing back a lot then. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're, you're like, no, I, I want you to be critical of yourself. No one's perfect. I want you to tell us what you feel like you can really work on, what you need to work on. Yeah. And we would love to help you with that. It's good. It's it's one strategy. There's many others. I mean, another real right, quick one. If, if, yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. So um yeah. <laughs> I I I know this is and maybe a lot of you are doing this already, but we weren't for the longest time. We 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 now have a three part interview process. It's it's quite hard to get hired by us now. 
but when we when we have somebody that makes it through, like they're really really good. Sure, it's a phone screen that lasts half an hour, if okay. that, fifteen minutes. It's a main interview, and then it's a technical interview. Okay, I'm going to talk about the technical okay. interview for a second. Okay, yeah, talk to you about it for a minute. What and and I know we're kind of running low on time here, but whatever yeah. the role is, let's say it's a CSR account manager. Okay. They've gone through the process. You've asked them all your questions. They've told you stories or they've like, you know, tried to sell you on who they are. This is where the rubber meets the road. For most people now we're doing Zoom call interviews. Okay. Cause we've been hired, we've embraced work from anywhere. So we have agents, we have, we have people working for us all over the country now. But um, what you're doing on that interview is literally having them, you know, if it's account manager, you're saying, okay, uh, I'm going to pull up in, we use Applied Epic. I'm going to pull up Epic and I'm going to show you our workflows. I'm going to walk you through our workflows and I want you to process a certificate, okay? Or I want you to process a change endorsement, what, what, whatever it is. Or if it's a producer, you're saying, okay, um, you have a list of questions. Let's say it's a personal lines producer. Okay, you're going to ask everything under the sun about like, tell me, tell me what flood insurance covers, what it does not cover. What, um, you know, what kind of limits would you um, suggest for the, like you're, you're going to give them real life examples. <laughs> Here's a secret, okay? Super secret. I hope not a lot of people, no, I, I hope a lot of people are listening to this because you're a good guy and I hope a lot of people listen to the show. But I'll tell you a secret. One of the questions that trips up more people than any when they go through our interview process, and we actually ask this in the phone screen just to see if they can speak insurance. Explain to me the coinsurance penalty. I can't tell you how many people have no idea and just rattle on. And some people even say, I have no idea. Like, okay. And I just kind of sit back and I think about what, what position are you applying for? Should you otherwise know that? Um, right. You know, at least in Georgia? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should, you know. You should. You, you can even, should. I, I mean, it, if you're not sure, like if you want to make it super stupid easy, like what's the difference between ACV and, and RCV? We've had people get that wrong. It's like, okay, next. Thank you. Right. Um, you, it's just not being afraid to stuff. ask the thing. Well, I that, guess the question is, and again, we are running low on time, but yeah. the question that they're, they're wanting to know, yeah. I, this is the thing I get the most. Yeah, all those things you're saying are fantastic, but there's nobody to bring into the interview process. Like how do I find okay. the people and then yeah. they've heard the whole go to Chick-fil-A, get some Chick-fil-A. They've heard the whole whatever. What, what do you say to those? Like, where do you find you're in Atlanta? It's a little different. So people are gonna say, I use Atlanta. Talk about rural Georgia. If you're in Blue Ridge, Georgia, or if you're in Albany, Georgia, or if you're in Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, where yeah. where do you find people? What do you say to those people? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and, and I'm sorry I went off the rails there. I wasn't thinking no, about it's recruiting perfect. versus interviewing, but no, no, you're that's a great. Because once they do find them, you get great information there. I love yeah, it. Yeah. But where do you recruit them from too? Yeah. So it's just like many other things in life, you need to diversify. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, indeed places like that, obviously you can engage with recruiters, uh, be very selective about that. Uh, yeah. But you can lean on your carrier partners. Now I get that most carrier partners are getting blitzed by every other insurance agent. Every, what if you yeah. did it differently, right? Okay. What if you put like a bullet point list of the qualities of the person that you're looking for and or what you need them to do okay. and send it to a few people and actually follow up with a phone call to those carrier partners and say like, um, okay. you know, we're, we're looking for people that fit these core values even. Do you know anybody in our industry that matches that, right? Yeah, um, I like that. 
and, and obviously social media, you know, getting, um, getting on LinkedIn, asking for help. It's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and, and say, I've got a magic bullet for, uh, for recruiting necessarily. But I will say that if you're going to use something like Indeed, um, it can be like drinking from a fire hose, depending on where you, where you're located. And if you're opening it up to, um, remote work work from anywhere what's which a, is yeah what's I, I was just gonna say if, if there's one thing i would say to anybody listening if you are not open to having people work remotely you're gonna be left behind i'm sorry you just are and no, so if you want if you want to fill up your talent pipeline you've got to be able to advertise that you're open to work from anywhere no i think you're right but a lot of people have a hard time embracing that what say you about the idea of asking your current clients Asking your sure. current staff, do you know anybody good to be here? Do you? Yeah, that's another one. Well, not only ask your staff, but offer them a financial incentive. Sure. Um, yeah, right. we, we offer $1,000 to anyone in our agency who refers someone and that person. Because they're going around with like-minded people. They're just like them, probably. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I yeah and guess what? Your staff, if you have enough people and you've hired folks within the last few years, guess what? They probably came from somewhere else. They know people. Oh, yeah. Right? We forget that sometimes. No, yeah, I agree. All right. So what about, uh, what are some other strategies people might be able to find to get to hire, to look for other people? I know we've talked about a lot of good things here and people use the old adage of, you know, find good customer service people from other industries. We've talked about using your own people, whether it's your own staff or your own clientele or whatever. Have you heard or seen, have y'all practiced anything else at Southern States that you guys do uniquely to find people to fit your culture? You know, <laughs> We hired a guy a few years ago. This is actually kind of funny. <clears throat> we put a $25 ad in the big eyes, our local big eye, uh, like help wanted section or whatever it was on online. And for about seven years, we had a producer that was with us because of that ad. Uh, he's since gone on to do other things. But he had never been in insurance, did not have spell insurance. He had been a um, a uh, realtor, uh, a, a, a residential realtor for years, like 10 years. But he was in a very small town up in the mountains in Georgia. And he responded to the ad. And I, normally I would have said, nah, nah, we're not going to do this. But I took a chance. I talked to him and gosh, darn it. If he didn't know every single person in that town. And when he realized that, and here's a something to think about when you're, if you are going to recruit outside of the insurance industry, here's an easy one. You know, um, how are your renewals doing on your home sales? <laughs> what renewals, right? He was more excited about that than anything. So um, you know, we, we use little things like that. I would also just say talking about your need. I know a lot of agency owners or managers might feel like they're embarrassed to say that they need people or that they're embarrassed to say that they lost people. Like you heard me talk about the fact that we lost five people, but I have to get over my ego about what other people might think of me because if I am out in the world talking about it, you never know who is gonna have a connection. One of the people I talked about earlier, Chris Tuff, who wrote that book, um, yeah. Save Your Asks. Yeah. 
he, he is like a master, master connector. And so is the person who introduced me to him, uh, Tommy Breedlove. You always have to have your eyes and ears and sometimes your mouth <laughs> open. So Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think on the flip side of that, I, I was, you know, working with an agency not too long ago that was like having the same kind of feelings. And it was more of, wait a minute, if you're looking, that means you're growing. And if yeah. you're looking, and if people have left to, I mean, people understand that. Plus, how many stories, talk about storytelling, can that open up when you're telling about your own story? If I just lost five people and yeah. you're telling that story, oh my gosh, da, 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 da. Then you got, anyway, you were about to say. Well, no, I, I just thought of something else. Yeah, I just thought of another uh, tactic to use as far as like, where do you go hunting for people? Heath, you and I are both in the same industry. I know like you don't own an agency, but think about all the agency owners yeah. who have other agency owner friends. Yep. Whether they're nearby or not. And now I know you might be thinking like, oh, you're going to ask them for their sloppy seconds. Well, it's not that. I mean, you have different needs than they have at any given moment in time. Now, maybe some of those cross over, but oftentimes there may be people that just they don't fit their company culture, but they fit yours, right? So I wouldn't discount actually having a conversation with a handful of your industry peers and asking them if they would be willing to share resumes of people who just, for whatever reason, they chose not to. Um, we've done that a little bit in the past and I think it's borne some fruit, but just trying to think of like yeah, <laughs> anything no. else I can you know, give the audience that would be meaningful. No, that's really good. And I, and I think Jim and I both would be interested. If you have any ideas, share those. You know, yeah. Heath at Insurance Town Podcast, and I'll forward him to Jim, or, you know, Jim will probably leave his contact at the end. But I'd love to hear those. Just like anybody, I should probably start, like, anyway, put a post out for that. Cause I think that's yeah. a good way to start a conversation <laughs> on where do you go? What, what well do you go into? Cause, you know, it, it's always changing and there's always some neat ideas out there. And so I'd be interested to hear that. But, so now you, you talked to us about interviewing. We put the cart before the horse on that. But then yeah, we also did the, we, we figured out which wells we can go into. Do you have any unique styles of you do your trainings and whatnot? That 40 or 50 people on the same page, <laughs> row in the same direction. Is there consistent, intentional training you put them through? So I'm going to be totally candid with you. This is something that we are building the airplane as we're flying in a sense, because when we rolled out EOS, we realized that one of the places that we were severely lacking was meaningful training uh, when we're yeah. bringing people on. So um, we do our head of client service who we brought onto our leadership team as a result of rolling out EOS. She has in tandem with our head of finance and, and administration, they have developed a pretty decent training program. Although I, I, I think we probably still need to supplement with good looking people like Heath and Kelly. Whatever. So no, I would love to help in that, but anyway, yeah, there's um, you know, there's a lot out there, but it, I just didn't know if you guys, you know, uh, and I understand being, and I, I love that. That you're open and honest about it because that is something that you know people call us for they call a consultant for or they just they don't know like what once you get them in because i brought i was brought in you know with you know good luck son go get them you know yeah. or a lot of people came in like <laughs> here's some leads go write them or they come in with this but i think that there's got to be more to that and of course you know there's material out there i've written it and there's other stuff out there but 
I just didn't know if if there was anything you you know had in your quiver, so to speak. That you might be able to well. Share. The 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 secret weapon that we, that we didn't have until a few years ago was uh, a woman named Stephanie who works for us, who's our okay. head of finance and admin, and okay. she is she has implemented created more workflows for our agency for every single thing that anyone in our agency does um and that alone has has helped tremendously because people have something to refer back to it's one thing to give them the training and say well good luck right but for them to actually have something that they can fall back on and then you know not just leaving it with them but actually following up with them on a regular basis to to and there's two magic questions to ask. Do you know what those are? For anybody in your organization, no matter what's going on, but especially when it comes to training and checking in with them, what's working and what's not working. Yeah, that's good. And if you, as you said before, if if you sit back and actually shut up and listen to what they say, (laughs) they'll tell you what they need the help, the, the most help on. You know, if you haven't already identified that through uh looking over their quality of work they'll tell you but oftentimes i feel like people are hesitant to ask what's not working because they're afraid of what the answer is going to be and they're thinking like oh i don't want to have to take the extra time to correct course here what if they just need a little bit of extra help in one particular thing that you wouldn't have known otherwise unless you asked and then if you're able to give that to them and the light bulb goes off man they could be off to the races and that's yeah, all you I, need. I love that. And I think one of the big things I've learned, um, and I'm always in a state I'm trying to learn. I, I love I love to learn. Um, and I'm always trying to be open to that. But one of the things that Kelly has done for me, and I'm talking about Kelly Donahue Piro, um, yeah. one of the questions that she's consistently asking me, and maybe because I'm the dumb dumb in the group, but it is how do you how do you learn? How can I help you retain and understand this? Because I don't I'm not a reader. I mean, I've got books over here and I'm reading and whatever, but I, I don't necessarily read and I don't retain it very well. Like I just yeah. I don't unless like yeah. I'm sitting down intentionally taking notes. But, you know, and I said, I'm reading a book on the plane. But if you ask me now about it, I'm like, I have to go back through and figure it out. Not a reader. If you send me a long email, I'm not reading any of it. I'm going to skim it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not necessarily the type that's going to, you know, watch, you know, a video and understand it. I'm not one that's just, yeah. I'm more of a hands-on, like, let me do it. Like you got to do it. Yeah. But other people, I don't want to do it. I want to read it, you know, and I retain it when I read it. Other people are stick me in front of a YouTube video and I'll get it. Everybody has their own learning styles. Yeah. And so I think if you can put together a training module that fits all of that, like you're going to be able to, the ones that gravitate. So like for me, I'll never forget. And I laughed at the time. And now I realize looking back, I'm doing the same thing. When I was 14, 15, my very first job was at Hardee's. Um, Heck yeah. Or do y'all call him Carl's Jr.? But anyway. No, Hardee's. we got Hardee's, man. Biscuits, baby. Oh, my gosh. I watched the lady <laughs> made from scratch. We hired a little old lady. Best biscuits. <laughs> anyway, back to where we're at. So, Hardee's. Very first day. I'm 14, 15, whatever. So they <clears> sit <throat> me down in the back break room with a TV, one of those turn the dial knob TV, not a remote. <laughs> and I stuck a VCR tape. If you don't know what a VCR tape is, go Google it. Yes, very much. But <laughs> I, I put the VCR tape in and I watched a training video on how to flip burgers and how to 
whatever and the culture and what we do at Hardee's and Carl's Jr. Yeah. And I was at the time, I was like, why do I care? Then the <laughs> next phase of my training at Hardee's at 15 years old. This is back in 1994, 95. And um, then from there, I go set with Curtis. I'll never forget Curtis. Uh, if you're listening, Curtis, why? But, you know, Curtis <laughs> taught me how to put the frozen fries in the basket and drop them, yep. you know, and then, you know, so-and-so, I forgot the guy's name, but showed me how to flip the burgers, but like hands-on training, how to do it. Right. And yeah. then I was sent home, you know, every night with a manual to read. So all three, and now I'm fast forwarding. I'm like, as an insurance consultant, after I sold made to do this, I'm doing the very same thing. Now watch yeah. this video, read yep. this manual and do these hands-on training things. It's not yeah. rocket scientist or scientist science, but it's whatever. Anyway, but it, it, it helped me. Does that make sense? Am I going oh, it makes a lot of sense. He, Hardy's diatribe of, for nothing. No, no, no. There, there's a lot of value in what you're saying because what I just heard you say is that it can sometimes take for different people multiple times of learning the same thing before they get it yep. in multiple different formats, yep. right? And if you if you think that any of your people in your agency are any different, you're wrong. Right. Everyone, like you said, learns in a different way. And if you can present the same material to them in a yeah. watch, do, read kind of format, I think you're going to set yourself up for much better success than if you just have one way of doing something. As a teacher, what, what are some of that things? I mean, you have a teaching background. Surely you saw that with little ones. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is you know, I used to, uh, one of my favorite subjects to teach was poetry and one of my favorite, um, Dead musical artists. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, man, absolutely. One of my favorite musical artists of all time is sting and he's a master, like poet, storyteller, whatever. I used to play his songs a lot in class to help them understand yeah. different concepts. Yeah. Right. And it, so it's like, okay, we could, we could read something yeah. by Walt Whitman or whoever, but then like to understand a concept from somebody else teaching it in a different format, the yep. light bulb goes off. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I think you're exactly right. So I just was wondering as a teacher, if you had the same thing, I mean, I noticed even as, you know, kindergarten, you got the hands on playing with blocks and then you got coloring yeah. picture. I mean, <laughs> it goes back to the elementary days. So yeah. again, I think the same thing, fast forwarding to your training, I think you had to figure it out. So, you know, some freebies I'll throw out there. I want to see what your thoughts are. Maybe you do this, but yeah, I would have a new person. If I had my agency again, I'd have a new person sit down with Sally CSR for 45 minutes a day and just watch, take yeah. notes, watch and listen. Yep. If it's a producer that you hired, sit with Jimmy, the producer for, or go out on the, uh, you know, in the field with Jim, the producer for 45 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever, you know, if you're, sure. The Dofi, sit down with the secretary, the Dofi for 45 minutes a day, whatever the position is, shadow, watch them. Yeah. And then, you know, also I might have, if Jimmy, the producer is the best producer in the world, have him record himself from time to time, do a loom video recording his process, how he does it. Same thing with Sally, the CSR, whatever <laughs> you're about to go. Or, or even better, Heath, maybe in the example of Jimmy, the producer, what if, if, if he was really good at what he was doing? What if you asked him to teach the next person who comes along or, or maybe even if, if, if it makes sense, get him in front of the other producers in your agency 
to have him teach just one concept that you picked up yeah. on that he was really good at. Oh yeah. Cause everybody can teach sure. anybody, right? Doesn't matter how, if they're the newbie or not, like we can all learn from each other. A hundred percent. So, you know, also I, I really do feel like there's value out there when you're trying to put together a trading program and the so much free content that's out there, whether it's yeah. from the agents growth Academy or if it's from the Insurance Town podcast or a three-minute video from a ridiculously amazing, you know, <laughs> Kelly Donahue Piro, or if it's from <laughs> whoever, Jason Cass, David Carruthers, Bradley Flowers. There's all these, <clears throat> Scott Howell, there's, I'm missing a ton of them. I know I'm going to make somebody yeah. mad. Mitch Gibson, you brought up already. Yep. There's podcasts out there with free content all day long. Take advantage of that. If you hear a good podcast, I've got some written down, you know, that I would say if I hired somebody tomorrow, I'd be like, go listen to episode three of Agents Academy from 2022, whatever it is, go listen to that one. Yeah. Or, you know, Sally CSR, go watch this from Total CSR or whatever the training is. Sure. I just think there's a lot there that's free and it's out there and it's just content readily available if they're that kind of learner. Yeah. And then, um, you know, or if they're visual or audible, however you want to do that. I think there's a lot of value in that. And then I think there's a lot to be said for teaming up on certain things. Like you said earlier, Jimmy, the producer, Sally, the CSR, whoever it might be, uh, put put two people together. Hey, yep. um, you know, new guy, new gal. Go go do a, a couple cold calls with Jimmy the producer and see how they do it. You can tell I've been yeah. in New York. Jimmy the producer, go out there with Jimmy. <laughs> go do your thing with Jimmy and get some pizza while you're out there. But go to the business park. Yeah, go to the park. <laughs> or for Sally CSR, hey, why don't you and Sally work together on this one? You know, why don't Sally show the new person how to quote this? What you do, walk them through step by step. I went to this screen, I did that, and then step back from the computer and let them sit at your desk. And let them do it. Yeah. I think there's a lot for the hands-on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That that was a concept from um, teaching teaching English in high school was you've got to read something and then write the notes and then read the notes back. Three different ways of experiencing the same concept. And your brain, you know, almost like your brain and your body make that connection, the muscle connection from your hands when you're writing and and, and the, the audible connection even if you like if you read it out loud even right um there's just so many good ways so many good things that come out of reiterations of learning the same concept yeah when i first got into the insurance business um i you know i was terrible at remembering names horrible horrible at it and you know fast forwarding 10 12 years later uh my my wife we had met and we were friends for a long time before we got married. She taught me a trick I'd never thought about, but it goes on what you're saying. But it was once you say your, as soon as they say your, their name, then you repeat it back to them. Hey, Jim, pleasure. Yep. Like, you're like, hi, I'm Jim yep. Schubert. Hi, Jim Schubert. I'm Heath Sheeran. I'm going to remember Yeah. because I said it after you said it. Otherwise, you could say your name. I'd go, remind me your name again. And I'd be like, such a dodo bird. But now <laughs> my wife taught me. By the way, do you know Dodo Bird's one of the smartest birds? And we, we equate it to the dumb bird. But anyway, Jim Schubert. Hi, Jim. I, I'm Heath Sheeran. I, I think it works. Again, it's that repetition. It's reiterating. It's all of those things. I think you're right on there. I appreciate you sharing that. So it's good. Um, so you, you, you've grown you know, the agency. It's, uh, it's at a place to where now it appears you're more working on the business than you are selling and being involved day-to-day in it. Very so. 
my passion is where 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 I need to be living, and I think my team recognizes too. Is, is um, you know, if you read traction, visionary that I am, I my job is to come up with ten. One of them's good, <laughs> and my team joke all the time about that because they're like, okay, remember Jim, they're not all good, but yeah, I, I really love how to go from point. What I don't know what happened there. We're still recording. What happened, ahead. man? That was weird. We're still recording, so keep um, going from point A to point. Sweet, yeah, yeah. So you know, just I. Being in a position now where I'm responsible for seeing the larger vision of how we get from point A to point B in terms of growth, that gets me charged up. And and working on the big relationships that will help us both inside our agency and outside making connections, quite candidly, I don't think I could have predicted this. I just had a sense that I wanted to do the podcast be, in order to, like I said before, to give back. But Heath, one of the biggest surprises that I should have seen from the very beginning is that I have made far more genuine connections, built deep relationships with people like you over the last 12 months of having my podcast than I have in the last probably 21 years of being in business. And that to me is where I get so much joy um, if I can help other people, but also if what I'm doing helps our agency in terms of getting eyes on our agency, you know, people understanding who I am, who we are as an organization, what we stand for, all these things, you know, secondarily are nice. But I tell you what, building relationships has been just the absolute joy of my life over the last year since I've started the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. And there's so many places I could go with this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go one and see where this takes us because I love that you're saying this because that's a, such a concept that's out there. What you just said, and what we were talking about, and a lot of people don't know how to do it. The whole working on your business and not in your business and people say, Oh, that's real cute. Heath, but how do you do it? That's a cute concept kid, but you know, people don't know how to really <laughs> do it. And so, you know, and people are like, I have to be involved in the day to day. I have to be doing this. I have to be doing that. If I'm up here doing all these things, they think I'm not. But like you just said, your team recognizes how valuable it is to have you more up here than mucking it up down here. Yeah. Uh, I say that muck it up yeah. in jest. But at the same time, you need to be up here. And so many agency owners need to be on it, not in it. How do they transition oh, yeah. to that point? What does that look like? Can you help a little bit yeah, on that? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I've talked to several agents on the podcast who are who find themselves in that position, and they've asked me afterwards, like, "What you know, like, I don't, I don't know, what do I do? How do I make that transition?" I, it's not an easy answer, but it's it's that you have to take a leap of faith. You have to have enough belief in yourself and in your team that if you pull back, it will actually help the agency. And what I mean by pull back, like what you said pull back from the day-to-day -day production or you know working in the minutia because uh, here's an exercise that I think everyone should do okay <clears throat> okay take a piece of paper draw a big plus mark like a giant plus mark right and and divide those quadrants into things that you're good at things that you like to do things that you're not good at things that you don't like to do brainstorm on that for like an you know 30 minutes 
45 minutes, whatever it is. At the end of the exercise, the things that you're good at and that you love to do, like I think I had those quadrants right. Um, you, you, those are the things you want to focus on because here's the the thing. At the end of the day, our time is very precious. Uh, I, I've had some things happen in, in the last year and a half from uh, a family perspective that were quite challenging related to our children and it really opened my eyes up to what is most important in my life. And so when I do that exercise, the exercise is actually called uh, delegate and elevate. It helps you figure out what you're not good at so that you can get it off your plate, delegate it. But it's also really good at identifying what you truly have a passion for and what you're also good at. Because if you can spend your time doing those things on a daily basis, your life will have far more meaning, far more purpose. And it does require a leap of faith to be able to say, I want to step into that quadrant. And you, you won't be able to do it overnight, right? You can't just drop everything you're doing and like tell your clients sayonara, you gotta plan it. But do something every day just one thing, you know, David Carruthers talks about the two extra minutes, right? Take two extra minutes a day to, to do something that falls in that, you know, quadrant where you love to do it yeah. and you're good at it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah, we do. Yeah, the quadrant thing's perfect. We do something similar to that as well. Uh, in fact, I was just looking at it literally like two seconds. Yeah, I think ago. I messed it up when I described it, but you, you get the idea. Yeah, no, I totally do. I was just going <laughs> to show you. I was just literally doing this with one of my clients the other day. Uh, so yeah, you're exactly right. And the way we do it, where's that at? Uh, is um, I have it on my desk. It's just in a pile right here. So anyhow, but it's more of like the things that you uh, now have lost it. Um, but anyway. Yeah, you're right, though. But it's like the things that you love to do uh, and you want to do more of, the things that, the way we do it, the things that yeah. you're good at, but you feel like you're the only one that can do it. Um, yeah. And those are things you need to delegate. Or the yeah. things that you don't like to do and you never want to do it. And the things that, anyway, I get what you're saying. So it's good. Yeah. It, the whole concept of getting to doing the things that you love to do and the things that you were meant to do, the things that you want to do, that's what you be focusing your time on as an owner. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, what you're getting at. And so another story, uh, my, my, my clients tease me because I have story time with the mayor, but I, um, <laughs> when I, my wife and I, it's my second marriage, um, never get divorced. It sucks. But the <laughs> best thing about it was meeting my wife. But so we first got married seven, eight years ago. I was like, I got to do something to take something off off her plate. Cause it's a lot, yeah. you know, when you're blending yeah. a family. And yeah. so I was like, what, uh, what can I take off of your plate? Just anything I'll do it. And she took advantage. And now that I know we're even better now, I was like, you idiot. But yeah, she, she took advantage <laughs> of the question and she said, okay, um, I want you to do all the cooking. It's like, Oh my mm. God, I've never cooked a day in my life. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> and I was like, okay, babe. And so I was like, how hard can it be? I'll do it. Uh, so I started uh, I, to this day, seven years later, she's, she's cooked one or two meals here and there, but I do all the cooking grocery store prep the whole nine. I'm even teaching my kids now how to cook. I watch food network like crazy. I, I love it, but, That's awesome. uh, and you're like, Keith, where the hell are you going with this? <laughs> I'll get there. So there are, I don't know if you cook at all, Jim, um, but uh, I make a mean cereal. That's there you go. So, yeah. but there are times I put a meal on the table and my kids eat it up. And like, that was the greatest ever. There's times I come in from the road, I'm rushed. I throw the ingredients together. 
half-ass cook it right, whatever, throw it in front of them. And I get mad. They don't like it. And they're like, yeah, dad, you put no love into it. You put no care into it. All you did was slap it together and throw it out there. And I feel like a lot of agency owners are that way. There's days you can tell when Jim Schubert's in his role, loving what he's doing, the team feels that. And if you put in a situation where you're just kind of throwing some ingredients together, checking a few boxes, you're going to be able to tell that. Am I right? Yeah, that's a great analogy. I wasn't sure where the hell you were going with that, but yeah, right? that was a great analogy. I could see it on your yeah. face. <laughs> My, 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 they get mad because I'll go in and, and I'll, and I'll sit, I'm not gonna lie. I'll pout. I'll be at the dinner table, just pouting. And I'll be like, I worked <laughs> on this dinner and you hate it. What is going on guys? And we're real. That's our time. Like when I'm home with my kids, we're going to have that dinner time. It's like old school. We're going to sit together, all of us at the table, all five of us. We're going to have dinner. We're going to talk about your highs and lows. How's your day? It's typical, like Andy Griffith type of stuff. But <laughs> And you, they could tell when I'm sitting there, I'm just pouting, I'm upset. And, and I'll be like, why Why do you hate it? What's wrong? And they're like, Dad, we could tell you slapped it together in 10 minutes. <laughs> you're going to make us feel bad for not liking it? We like it better when you really get after it and you yeah. really spend the time. You really make sure it's done right. And when you do, so yeah, anyhow. Um, yeah. And that's probably how it's going to be tonight because I'm going to go home late and I'm going to slap some stuff together and I'm going to get mad because they don't like it. <laughs> Maybe I'll order pizza tonight, but go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I think it's it's super important to go through an exercise like that, um, but don't don't let it just sit there and never come back to that. Right. Codify it. Yeah. Talk to your team about it. Yeah. You know, that that's one of the scariest things actually is when you've realized where your talents lie and you also yep. realize that it's gonna mean big changes for the agency. Yep. Have an open, honest conversation with your team about it. The the worst thing you can do is to try to bottle it up and, and, and play that, that game we all play in our head of, you know, what I, what I like to call head trash, right? You're just like talking yourself out of it. Um, take, take the leap of faith. They will give you more grace than you think if they love you, which they probably do. Um, then it's just an important first step. Yeah. Really. No, I think you're exactly right. (laughs) I found it. The quadrants. So nice. Um, tell us what it is. Tell us the, the, the headings. So what it is like for us, we, we, this is a way, you know, to help a, an agent to work on the business, not in it. It's executive job. We call it the desire zone. Yep. You love this work. You want more of it. Proficient zone is what we call it. Okay. And I'll give props to Kelly Donahue Pierre on this. You're good at this work, but you don't love doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm good at it, but I don't love it. Yep. Um, and so drudgery zone would be, you hate this work, but you may be the only one who can do it currently. That's a, one of our other quadrants. And then the fourth quadrant on here is the distraction zone. You're not that good at it, but you have to do it. And so those are the things that we talk. Go ahead. No, no, go, go. No, I was just saying that we walk through this and we look for things and we're talking to our clients about this. Uh, If everyone knows more about this program, reach out to me. But it's one of those things that we talk through. It's like, okay, we got to delegate some of this stuff off. Get off of your plate. If it's something that you feel like you're the only one that could do it, we got to train somebody else to be able to do that. We got to keep you up in this zone of the things that you love to do and you want more of it, or, you know, we got to get, you know, the stuff that, you know, makes it where you're in your happy place, makes it where you're operating at your top skill level. Um, And so I think that's the other thing is people that are agency owners, they're afraid to delegate because they're not going to have anything or they're going to work out of a job. They're going to train somebody for their next 
What I don't think you should live in that fear. No, I think you're right. Stepping out on faith is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I, the, the reason I was smiling so big when you were talking about that is because it, I just, it just dawned on me um, for agents that are listening and, and they want to supercharge one part of their interview process. We do this at the beginning of the main interview, which is the second piece of, of the puzzle. And we literally have an exercise where for the first 15 minutes, we have people fill out a, a, a grid similar to that, that has the roles and responsibilities of the position that they're applying for. But we secretly inject some roles and responsibilities of other positions and they might be similar. So for instance, maybe they're applying to be a producer in the organization and you, you list all, you know, sales, cold calling, this, that, and the other that have to do with production. But then you also list like servicing and doing certificates and, and, and things like that. And what you're trying to do with this exercise is see where their passions truly lie. Because we've had enough people fill that out and we they fill it out and then the team gets on the call with them. And the first thing we do is go over it and we say, wow, it looks like you love doing certificates it looks like you love uh doing endorsements and change requests and things like that but it looks like you you're not that passionate about yeah. you know making cold calls or whatever and it's like okay you this is this is this could be a shorter interview <laughs> right or or you could pivot and say would it make more sense for us to look at you in terms of uh you know an account manager instead of instead of yeah. a producer. So and it goes back um, to right seat in the bus. Or the yes. Wrong yes. Seat. Yeah. Perfect. No, I yeah. love it. Yeah. So we went from one episode to now we've probably got two now because, you know, anyway, <laughs> so, um, no, this is good. I, I, for those that don't know the backstory here, I'm going to leave this in there, but I, we had to end the call. I got back in with him because I felt bad. Now we've got some really good stuff here. I really think it's going to help. <laughs> Because I know a lot of people are thinking some of these things. I get these emails a lot. You probably do the same. But so again, um, I've got one exit. We might use it. We might use this one. But I really appreciate you coming on with us. If people wanted to find you, where could they find you? Repeat everything you said 30 minutes ago. Again, oh, right? Now. Yep, yep. <laughs> no you. stone unturned. Yeah, so uh, the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn, and that's my favorite place to hang out, actually. Yeah. So just look up Jim Schubert. Um, if you want to learn more about what we're doing at Agents Growth Academy, you can go to agentsgrowthacademy.com. Um, yeah. you, you know, we obviously have the podcast. I'm writing the book, so part of that will be on there. But uh, there's some courses that I'm developing um, that'll that'll eventually live on there. But really, I just love, uh, as I said before love having conversations with folks i'm on facebook a little bit but uh i i really live on linkedin so that'd be the best place to find me and perfect and find him find yeah. his podcast as i said 30 minutes ago in the other outro <laughs> it's better than mine his podcast is great jim's great the whole thing i love this guy i'm glad you're finally on the show with me Hell, you might be you might be episode 150 and 51 who knows but um <laughs> Or I might save it. Maybe I'll keep it in the vault and we'll release it like a year from now. Who knows? But <laughs> I uh, I love it. I was glad that we could do it. I look forward to seeing you at the next one. Um, he'll be on stage speaking at the conference. The agency that used to be better agency. Now it's agency success. Yeah. So, and he's sharing the stage with some major folks there. If you haven't signed up, you should go that you're welcome, Nick Ayers. But you should definitely go check that out. And um, 
I think there's a lot of cool stuff out there that Jim's doing. You need to find out more about. Thanks again. Uh, now I really do have to go, but um, you <laughs> are the you, best. Friend. Thank you, sir. See Love you, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out uh, with uh, me and Jim in the show today. I really hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional guys. We had so much fun. Uh, we laughed a lot. Uh, we hopefully learned a lot. Um, we taught you a lot. We just, we had a good time. So, uh, check, uh, out, uh, last week's episode. If you haven't check out next week's episode, subscribe, like share all those good things to the show. Uh, we're continuing to grow this little town. Um, and we're having so much fun doing it. I, I love this show. I love you guys. I love the feedback I get. Continue to check it out. Um, Heath at insurance town podcast.com. Send me emails. Find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on all the socials, TikTok, whatever. I love it. Uh, if you have an idea for your own show, go to readysetpodcast.com. Yeah, it's getreadysetpodcast.com. Uh, helping you turn your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.